This episode of Mollyful Answers is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter promo code FOOL10 at checkout. Also, thanks to Indeed for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on your short list of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at Indeed.com slash Motley. Oh, not fool, Motley. That's Indeed.com slash Motley. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick. And... uh, yeah, let's just get into it. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Full Answers. As we are coming to you in the studio, it is Friday yes. of what's been, gosh darn it, just a heck of a week. And so we have Andy Golly Cross. Golly gee willikers. Golly gee willikers. We've got Andy Cross. I have other words to add in golly gee willikers. Other GD yeah. words. We have Andy Cross, Chief Investing Officer of the Motley Fool in studio. Um, so we're going to talk about what happened. And then also we're going to take a trip down memory lane and talk about sort of some lessons that you, Andy, learned while you lived both the dot-com boom and bust and the Great Recession. So, first, though, let's talk about what happened this week. Wow, I know we're, we're all doing the fill your cheeks yeah. up with air and just like, woof. So, uh, yeah, we're in a bear market. Officially. Uh, officially. Officially official. in a bear market. When the, when the market falls down to more than 20% from its highs, the last one we saw, we almost were there in 2018. So close. I mean, um, again, not never to be flippant about this, but the true last bear market was 2008, 2009, when stocks fell 20%. And then, by the way, they went on to fall another 45% after hitting that bear market. The difference this time, obviously, it's <clears throat> the coronavirus and it's it's the COVID nineteen and and the impact that, that is having on um, citizens of the, of the world, governments, countries, and businesses. But there were how fast this happened. Everything's Allison. falling it's apart. Fast, just fastest ever. Ever. Sixteen I mean, days. Sixteen it, days, Robert. Go, right. And the previous record, you know, when it was. It was like 40-something days set in 1929. Yeah, so uh, which 1929, if memory serves, another not (laughs) Not good time to be an investor. So this happened so fast, much faster than 2008, much faster than even 2018, which was pretty fast. I mean, Mm -hmm. when when the stocks fell almost 20%, that happened over the course of, of 40 days or so. So we saw this really quick reaction, and then... The, the the difference, of course, is we just there's so much uncertainty with what the impact of all this is going to be, and this week we saw governments, citizens, people, schools close here in the U.S. Um, Italy basically shut down its country, and we're starting to see that now play into the psychology of investors and uh, institutions. By the way, too, not just individuals, institutions, actually more institutions. And just the, the the impact this is having on the markets, and and we're seeing the small caps were down uh, t- more than twenty percent just this week. Yeah, just this week they were down about twenty five percent. So really, we had a nice bump on Friday, but but um, a, a lot of volatility in the markets right yeah. now. Yeah. So, bro, we've been doing this show for about five years, we and have. so that means for about five years you've been saying. You know, this bull market, it's, you know, there's going to, I mean, how often do we get a bear market? Every four to five four to years. Five years. So, so yeah. we've been due, right? So are you happy now, bro? Are you happy? Finally, you got your bear market. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Here's what I, here's what I am uh, proud of, that it's a message that's been from The Motley Fool, as well as this podcast, and that is, these times do come. Yep. 
You may not want all of your money in the stock market, especially in terms of having an emergency fund and any money you need in the short term. If you're retired, have an income cushion. I'm thinking mostly these days about the emergency fund Mm -hmm. and thinking of all those people whose jobs will be affected, all the people at restaurants, in the travel industry, who worked at the sports arenas, all these people who are going to see a significant disruption to their income, and I hope they have an emergency fund, and I hope the government steps in to help them as well. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the stat, bro, is there's a significant amount of the population that is that is um, paycheck to paycheck, and you know barely has a few hundred dollars into the into that savings savings account emergency fund. So hopefully, a lot of listeners uh, over the years, five years, mm-hmm. and twenty five years of the Motley Fool, as we've been talking about how to how to think about saving and investing hopefully they have they have followed along so this this will help cushion the blow a little bit yeah yeah over at the ascent they did some research and they found that 80% of americans aren't confident they could miss three paychecks yeah I mean, that just that just hurts. It's, yeah. You really feel for them. Well, it's scary also because now then the number is about eighty percent, eighty percent likelihood of 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 a recession sometime globally in the next few months. So it is going to be, as Robert said, very disruptive to, yeah. to, to so many lives, especially those that are um, more tied to the gig economy, um, not necessarily a W two, but much more of a ten ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. I'll just point out too that we actually devoted a whole episode to having an emergency fund. It was early in 2019 when the federal government shut down. Mm-hmm. We talked about the importance of, a, of an emergency fund and then where to turn once your emergency fund is gone. So if you are in that position where you've run your bank account down, look for that episode and we have some backup ideas. Great. Yeah. So no one, I don't think, had global pandemic in their office pool as <laughs> no. to why the bull market would come to an end. Why would? Isn't that crazy? Bill Gates. Bill, Bill Gates has been talking about it for a while. Oh, so Bill Gates. So he's well, maybe, he's, but he's he can he can afford it. He can pre, he can probably afford it. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay. Warren Buffett actually wrote about it back in 1987. Mm-hmm. So he also is someone who eventually got eventually it right. eventually <laughs> got it right. He's a long-term investor. He's a long-term <laughs> thinker. All right. So uh, briefly here, it's sort of what stocks and industries are getting hit the most or is just everything just getting pulled down well certainly there are there are those that are tied to, to travel and leisure that are really getting um, disrupted and, and smoked in the near term um, airlines the cruise industry is just getting decimated so you're seeing um, uh, very high quality companies booking.com uh, that, that I personally own, which is the old price line, down significantly. But but really, it's just the past the past week and a half has been been the entire market, and it's very hard. With the exception of maybe of some of the companies that are benefiting from the from the working remotely and working from home, so the likes of Zoom, Slack came out with their earnings last week that was a little bit weaker than analysts expected. So the stock got got hit, but you do have companies that are much more collaborative, de- developing collaborative tools, and will benefit as we spend more time um, huddled at. Home uh, mm-hmm. working so distributive uh, working tools like like Zoom at lasting is one we've talked about too, which owns um, and, and operates Trello and a few others. So, but but anything tied to air uh, travel travel in general, like the airlines, cruise ships, um, shipping industry has been really hit over the past um, month or so. Yeah. So I was reading. Um, is it Matt Levine? Matt Levine over at Bloomberg. He has a column. He has like his daily Levine. Little yeah. Levine. And basically, I was I was enjoying his column because he was talking about how you know when the market starts to tipple a little, other things then can start to really topple. Particularly coming uh, talking about leverage and debt. Yes. And how a lot of these companies are maybe uh, fine in a bull market to take on that much debt, but now that things 
are going to be a little bit more precarious, is this going to be just a big domino effect where, yeah, consumers are going to hurt, and then companies are going to hurt, and then they're really going to hurt because they're already over-levered? Absolutely, Allison. Actually, the beginning of the week is what the oil market set this yeah. all off when the when the Saudis and the Russians couldn't come to an agreement um, from the from OPEC on the amount of production to pull out of the market. And the Saudis just basically were going to flood the market with, with cheap oil, and that really sent oil prices down. The, oil, the companies in the oil patch, especially some of the very pure play drillers, are some of those are extremely levered. And you've seen those stocks just get totally hammered because there's a real risk that they may go out of business. If, if oil prices are going to be sub $30 down to $20, maybe even lower than that or some uh, for some projections, that can really hit these businesses that do carry a lot of leverage because they can't service that debt. The amount of debt that has come onto the market or the amount of debt that has come onto the market and the amount of corporate debt that has to be refinanced over the next, say, three or four years, a significant amount of that is tied into junk status. So these are companies that are are not your financial fortitude. They're not your AAA companies, and they have to revolve and carry over that debt and refinance it. It's going to be very might be expensive for them to do that. They might not have the option to do that, and that could actually take that take those businesses completely down. So there's that risk of how that might uh, start to impact the general uh, economy from the debt picture. So so Matt Matt is clearly right. Yeah, and it's it could be affecting your portfolio if you have bond funds because you might have bond funds that are very diversified which own own some of this corporate debt and there is a large portion of the investment grade debt market that was just one notch above junk yeah. and with a recession or anything happening to those companies that they could tip those bonds into junk territory so surprisingly in the last couple of days the bond market has been very volatile. Mm. Like you look at the Vanguard total bond market ETF, it was down like three to four or five percent yesterday because even people are even selling off treasuries. Mm-hmm. So, if you do have a bond fund and you're looking to, for that to be something that holds up while the stocks go down, take a look at what's in that bond fund because it may not be as high quality as you hope. That's a very good point, bro. And of of all the th- of all the predictions of all the predictors. The the um, uh, forecasters and those with the crystal bars, balls, the bond market has been about as right as any of them out there. The bond market has basically been talking about, or just the pricing in the bond market, and as bonds continue to go up and up and up, and the yields go down and down and down, the bond. Prices do very well. Uh, that's basically where we were heading right now. As the, as we saw the Fed come in a couple of weeks ago with an emergency cut. Um, this week we'll see what they actually do in the market and decide to adjust interest rates. And we saw some exceptional behavior last week in the bond market because of some of the changes in the in the Treasury market over the years. There's not enough people to actually buy the Treasury bonds. So there's been a real liquidity crisis, which is why the Fed came in to uh, announce that they're going to be buying a bunch of um, short-term Treasuries. Yeah, bottom line there is any money you want to keep absolutely safe in the next one to three years, cash is really your best bet. Totally. Thanks to Molecule for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Spring is coming, and that means sunny weather, singing birds, budding flowers, and oh yeah, you can't breathe. Lucky for you, the Molecule Air Purifier is a thing that exists in the world. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience, namely being able to breathe. So how does it work? Well, it's science. Molecule's breakthrough technology doesn't just filter out pollutants and allergens, 
pathogens. It destroys them at the molecular level. A number of fools here bought their very own molecule after giving it a whirl here with the one we got to try out, and they love it. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. It also looks very stylish. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com and enter promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com and promo code FOOL10. Thanks to Indeed for supporting Motley Fool Answers. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need help getting to your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. And when you need to hire fast, accelerate your results with sponsored jobs. New users can try for free at Indeed.com slash Motley. That's Indeed.com slash Motley. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Offer valid through March 30. 2020. Well, Andy, I don't want to make it sound like you've been around the block, but you've seen <laughs> you've seen your fair share of ups and downs. There's, there's a lot of gray in these temples here. There's Allison. a lot of gray on these temples. In the last Even more in the past. Hours. That's right, exactly. So, you, when did you start with the Motley Fool? 1996. 19, you, were, you were employee oh number gosh. what? I was employee number 19. And now we're up to over 400. Yes, and I, yeah. there's only there's only a, a, a few, including Tom and Dave. Maybe only three who are now who are still employed here at the Motley Fool. Yeah, you were, outlasted all of them, outlasted. didn't you? No, not all of them. Not all of them. We got we <laughs> we'll got get a few Todd there. out of here. We'll get Todd <laughs> yeah. out of here. No, Todd, no, next. Todd, don't go, don't go anywhere. Yeah, so you've been with the Fool a while, which means you've survived the dot com bust and the Great Recession yep. here at the Fool. So we wanted to bring you into the studio to provide a little bit of historical and personal perspective about this current market. Which is rough. A lot yeah. of our listeners, I think this is probably the first, this is for me the first major downturn that we've experienced I mean, in my household as an investor. So, um, yeah, you're here to provide some context. I should be interviewing you. How are you doing? I'm time? doing okay. We're Good. doing fine. I mean, I think we're more nervous about what we're going to do with our kid when she's out of school for the next month. Um, <laughs> True. You know, and she's a wonderful I mean, kid. She's a wonderful kid, you know. So, I think we're not, um, we're not looking at our 401k statements yeah. and freaking out. We could. But we're not gonna. Uh, Robert talked earlier talked about how over the years we've been trying to use data and education and take our long term investing approach and put it with some perspective, backed by real numbers um, and historical context. And so we're seeing this now all play out. <clears throat> we know that um, markets fall ten uh, percent every you know year or so. We fifteen percent every two years. 20, more than 20% every four or five years. So we're right in that zone. It's been a while since we had one. And then um, once a decade, maybe 30%. And then even more uh, f- infrequently, uh, they fall 40, 50%, you know, once in a, almost a lifetime, really. So 2008, 2009, the markets fell 56% over the course of a month, a year and a half, maybe from October 2007 to, to 2009. So we're here. Who knows from now? Will, will it fall another 30%? It may rebound very quickly. So but from the investing perspective, I always like to think about just core Motley Fool principles, which is capital you need in the next two to three years, cash you need. Don't have that in the stock market because the stocks can always be very volatile, and we're seeing it now. So take a real long-term approach. Know why you need why you are investing. Do you need that capital sooner? Can you let it 
be invested in more growth opportunities that have maybe more of a five or 10 year period. So I think these questions that you have to ask yourself as an investor are very important to make sure you have pretty good answers for during this volatile time. Yeah. Well, let's take us back to the dot com bust. You remember a couple years ago, bro? We had Morgan Housel on the show, and we covered. We did it. We dedicated a separate episode to some of the bigger drops some of the bigger history. drops in history. So, for those of you who are, they were good listens. I went back and listened back and listened to them back in middle, like August of 2017. We did like a four part series. So, I would recommend our listeners go back and listen to them because it's pretty fascinating. So, dot com bust. Um, this was right around 2000, 2001, uh, and the Motley Fool. This story is personal. Right, I mean, because we were part of this yes. whole narrative um, as coming up as one of these companies that uh, was really, I mean, really, we are. You read stories about the dot com boom, and we are right there, mm-hmm. right next to Webvan and Pets dot com or whatever. <laughs> we outlasted them. Was that an exciting time? I mean, it had to have been a great time to work at the Fool. So yeah, was, much exuberance. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of exuberance. I mean, this was real. We were on the vanguard of um, of of. Really, three things I when I think about back then. One is the use of discount brokers, mm-hmm. an online discount brokers. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess just online in general, we were we were on AOL, and then we were on um, Keyword Fool on AOL. Then we went to the Motley Fool and started our, the the website, and then that eventually just took over to the business. But so online, using online discount brokers and pushing down transaction and commission fees, right? Which I think when I was buying my stocks in the late. 80s, early 90s, I think it was like $50 to $100 a, sh- uh, a trade. Yeah. Right? It was very yeah. expensive to do that. You had to have a lot of capital just to make that return back. So pushing commission costs down, uh, talking about long-term investing in real growth companies, and David and Tom talking about AOL, Amazon.com, uh, just um, eBay. So these investments we were making, not all of them worked out. Right. We certainly have had some of the some of the flameouts and some of the ones that eventually went out of business. iOmega, iOmega, which put it's us on the really hurt? put us on the on the cover of AOL, Fortune magazine. Big on AOL in the yeah. beginning there. Well, that was huge, and and from David's first investment AOL, that the return even holding all the way through into the. The, through that acquisition with Time mm-hmm. Warner, the merger with Time Warner, up until wherever it ended up, it was a massive return for David. Same with Amazon, mm-hmm. all the way up, all the way when it went all the way up at the peak, all the way down to three dollars or mm-hmm. th- three or four dollars, I think, per share. So uh, those those um, trying to help individual investors understand, hey, you can invest, and we get back to the Molly Full Investment Guide. So that was really exciting. Of course, when when the um, you know rug got pulled out from underneath our feet, that was very painful, and our and our company went through a very very painful um, time of of layoffs. Um, our business basically was completely disrupted and changed, and our revenues basically, which were all advertising at the time, um, literally almost vanished overnight. Yeah. I think what was hard about that is it it didn't it wasn't just one year, and it gradually got worse. So yeah. two thousand, the market was down nine percent. Two thousand one, down twelve percent. Two thousand two, down. 22%. And 2003 didn't start off so well either, right. although it eventually rebounded and the market was up like 28%. And then the middle of all that, you have the September 11th attacks. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like, when is this going to end? Yeah. And A, that's, that was number one. Number two, am I still going to have a job at the end of it? Right. right. Make it right. doubly worse. Yeah. Well, now I think you bring up a good point that not only is this excitement about the internet and the future of tech, but also it allowed a lot of people to start investing and even like a not good part of this was day trading. Yes. And like amateur day traders who had no business doing it. Uh, too many people they weren't listening to the Motley Fool, they were chasing some other some other path and 
it it hurt. There's just a lot of dumb money that just flowed into yeah, these dumb, companies. Dumb individual money yeah. that just ended up becoming, as you mentioned, um, chasing. Uh, uh, we had our our thriving message board community uh, community, um, which we still have today. But you have those of like, so I think it was Silicon Investor, Raging Bull. I mean, there's a, Yahoo Finance board. So there's just a lot of um, a lot of chatter around there trying to find penny stock investment. Investing, um, pumping and dumping those stocks, and a lot of day trading. Which, uh, again, this was before zero. Com- we have mm-hmm. zero commissions now. Mm-hmm. But this was we still had commissions that were pretty high. So that was that was a very expensive uh, practice to take on. Yeah, and there really were so many companies to invest in that don't exist anymore. Right, like it was all of these tech companies mm-hmm. that were taking in all this money that they don't exist anymore. But there were some that survived, and you did very well if you made sure you were investing in those ones. Yeah, right. But it took a while. Yeah, yeah, it took a while. Even for the, I mean, just take like a company like Microsoft or Amazon, yeah. like from the peak to the peak to the trough, and then even back to make up that peak. I mean, for some of those companies, for Microsoft, I think it took more than a decade to come all the way back to the. Yeah, well, more than a decade. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the dot com boom and bust. It was a long, prolonged, painful thing. Our next big decline, though, was the recession in two thousand and eight. Essentially. A housing bubble that kind of spilled over into the stock market, and then everything just fell apart. (laughs) And credit dried up. And this is one of those, like we talked about at the top of the show, where it's just all these dominoes starting to topple. It started really in 2007. Well, I guess it really started from coming out of the the depths of of the the previous bear market. And as housing and interest rates were starting to to become lower, and the housing market really started to, to pick up. And then it hit that peak in 2007, 2008. And that's when some of the financing and some of the the credit default swaps and some of the um, a little bit less than um, rigorous uh, uh, checking of underwriting and of of loan writing and loan making. Uh, So you... Allison, I think that's right. You just started to see this 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 topple, and then you had some real um, financial plumbing problems when when um, funds and uh, uh, other businesses basically couldn't couldn't pay their bills and write their checks, and that just became very problematic. And eventually, it just hit that point where the, the, the we needed bailouts, and the Fed stepped in. Right, and, and famously, Ben Bernanke, before he was the Fed chairman, had testified that we'd never had we didn't have to worry about a nationwide drop in home prices because that never happened before, and then. Sure enough, it happened. Mm. Right. Not only did it happen, but when you look at historically what happens during a bear market in stocks, housing prices hold up pretty well. But this was the first time when both really went down significantly. Yeah. And for you being an employee of the fool, this was, um, I imagine, less of I'm going to lose my job and the markets are plummeting and more of just the markets are plummeting. Was it better? Was that easier? Was the recession easier on you than the dot com boom? Or and bust. Uh, yes, it was, I, I think it was. I mean, for, for the Motley Fool handled it very well. Of course, we had a membership business, and and I remember I had just become um, advisor. I think advisor of um, income investor, our dividend, an old dividend service we had. So it was like I was just starting to really to to help members and and talk constantly about this. So uh, we didn't have tools like Zoom. We didn't have. A, Podcast. We didn't have Motley Fool answers, right? So we didn't have everything we have now to be able to communicate better. We had message boards, and we were very um, active on those. It was it, it was 
the Motley Fool as a company, we made some really um, tough choices, but but we preserved jobs, and that yeah. was a thing. But we made some big um, cutbacks and expenses. Uh, I think in our four hundred one k. So like we we did some things that helped that helped make sure we, we were on very solid footing. But from the employee perspective, um, uh, the Motley Fool survived and did very did very well, and it allowed us to really set us up for to, to even really try to strengthen both the membership business and the way that we communicate advice, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. In the end, there was only one calendar year where the stock market dropped, and that was 2008. It was the worst year since the Great Depression, but still, it was over pretty quickly. The thing is, while it's happening, you don't know that it's over. So the anxiety mm. about it all lasts, and there was plenty of discussions. You know, it, it, the market bottomed in March of 2009. Mm-hmm. And it ended up making, I think, 23% that year. But there are plenty of talk about this is the classic dead cat bounce. We're not out of this yet. The market's going to go down. And, and so when you go through it, you only know that it was only that one year in hindsight. So the, the anxiety lingered for a while. Yeah, I mean, 2008, the, 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 the fall of 2008, when this really between September, October, November, when this was really hitting. And, and there were legitimate concerns that you, you're going to have these massive financial bankruptcies and the, the, the financial, we won't be able to get our money and there's going to be runs on the bank. I mean, there were real financial concerns um, that we that I didn't feel in 2001, 2002, mm. the, 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 the dot-com um, bust. So there were real financial Concerns with oh my gosh what is going to happen with my money and you you just saw these days of of um, eight nine ten percent down and up days the volatility that we're seeing kind of now does remind me about a, a little bit of of back then more so than during the the dot com um, bomb yeah I agree now was it during the recession that you Robert Brokamp in the background of Tom and David being on CNN, decided to form a conga line. Is that right? No, no that was the dot com. Oh, it was dot com. So CNN would oh. fi- would film from the Fool every like Monday, and it was mm-hmm. right in front of my desk. And when the market started going down, we thought we'd portray that we're celebrating because things are <laughs> better prices now. Cheaper. <laughs> so I just started a conga line. So I don't know, it was Tom or Dave it was on CNN, and we're all doing a. <laughs> Do you regret that now? No, I'm quite proud of that. Thank you very much. I wish I wish I had the footage of it. Yeah, I've never seen the footage. I've just heard of it. But it's it is so like on the one hand, yes, you can conga line, and we can talk about this more as far when we get to kind of the lessons you learned. Um, But for those, but for our listeners and anyone out there in the world who's in retirement or very close to retirement. To conga line, it's a, they're not conga lining, and no. rightfully so. No, um, you know I was thirty then. Oh yeah, yes. no right, like yeah, yeah you and, were conga lining because that's what yeah. thirty year olds should do. Right, and yeah. as was everyone else at the Motley Fool. I, they I were don't all think we had anyone kids. in their forties yeah. at that point. No, yeah. right, that's true. Um, but there's no question about it, and especially now that I've been writing RYR for the last yeah. fifteen years, and now I'm getting closer to retirement age. Yeah. Now that I'm fifty, I can. I mean, I, I have been checking my four hundred one k, and it is yeah. it is quite something to see this money that you've built up over twenty years just kind of go down and down and down. I feel very confident. I'm yeah. going to start buying some stocks right after we get Which off of is- this. Still blowing my mind. You said this before we started the show, and I'm still amazed that you're doing this. Well, we could talk about it. I mean, here's here's the bottom line for me. Right. So you decide on a certain allocation and you don't make for me, you don't make a decision on whether to buy or sell based on whether you feel like something's over or not. Mm-hmm. For example, let's say you decide you want to have 10 percent of of your portfolio in cash. And that's a pretty standard rule of thumb around here at the full five to 10 percent. Well, if you started the year off with that, because the market has gone down so much, you now have 12 to 15 percent of your portfolio in cash. That's my situation. 
So I am going to rebalance to where I think is a reasonable allocation. I am more confident than not that I am getting in too early. But I don't want it to be left to my gut instincts. Mm. I want it to be left to a system where I'm saying, okay, I have now more cash than I think is ideal for someone mm. in my situation. I'm going to use that cash. Is that, is that reasonable for you, That Allison? sounds more like bro. <laughs> no, that definitely sounds more like you rather than, I'm going to go buy some stocks on sale. Like That's, that's not bro. Well, but you being like, well, I need to re- rebalance my portfolio because my cash position is too overweight. I'm like, okay, now you made it boring. <laughs> boring, but very effective and very smart. We, we did. It was back in I think it was back in May where I I led a, one of our episodes with rebalance in May and go away because mm-hmm. you shouldn't really rebalance more than every once every few years unless something significant happens. Like last year we had such a great market, you should rebalance. This year things have gone so you now you could rebalance. But someone emailed us not too long after that because I think if you did rebalance in May at that point. Mm. Then you were probably early, and you missed out on what happened to the rest. So they were kind of like, "Ha ha! You told them to rebalance too early." Now that the market is back to where it was in 2017, small cap stocks are back to where they were in 2013. Rebalancing looked pretty smart. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Brilliant. Drop the mic. All right, Andy. Let's move on and talk about some of the rules for investing that you've learned through surviving um, a few market downturns, and what our listeners should think about going forward. Well, I think. Uh, thinking about how um, the market um, evolves and grows over time, we've talked about this um, for, for years and years. That 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 GDP grows, stocks increase. They generally go up, and to the right, stocks increase at three out of every four years. Generally, um, however, uh, when I when I when I think about what we went through this week, I'm, I'm reminded of the John Templeton line that says, "Bull markets are." Born in pessimism, grow in skepticism, mature on optimism, and die in euphoria. And we, stocks were at a record just about a week and a half, well, maybe two and a half, three weeks ago. So um, just the fact that we understand how markets, um, market psychology, and that markets do fall eleven uh, percent, uh, fall ten percent every eleven, twelve. Um, months and um, twenty, they fall twenty percent every four or five years. So, I think it's important that, that as investors are going through this, whether you've been through it before or whether this is your very first time, you have to understand this is how markets um, have acted over years and years, and they will continue to act like this going forward. All right. So, you have a few rules here to follow. Uh, first one, we've mentioned this already. Don't have any money in the stock market that you don't need. Wait, that you need in the next one to three years. I messed that up, but whatever. You guys get it. We get it. <laughs> Anything that you need in the next one to three years, I, I would make sure you have it safely tucked away in in, in cash that um, that you can access very quickly. So let me ask you this though: What if someone didn't have that? Do you think that they should now go ahead and sell to create that cash? I pressure? was thinking about this week, bro, because um, and for the past week and a half or so, because we gotten some questions about this, and I think that's I, I think so. I, I I think that if you are a person that um, can 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 tap into a little bit to to raise some cash, that's not a bad thing to do, especially if you think about your portfolio. On maybe there's some stocks that you just don't really want to own even more, even if they're down a little bit or or down. Uh, if you don't want to own those or don't believe in them, and you want to raise some capital and raise some cash for that, you know, go ahead. I think um, certainly if you need it in the next year or so, I would I would I would. Do that. I, I I certainly wouldn't move all to cash. I think that that's for your portfolio. That's that's not a thing to do. But if you do need a little cash, I think it's okay to sell some. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if you that just having that cash cushion, emergency fund, income cushion, if you're retired, is important. And if you're doing it a little later than you wish, that's just part of the game. Yeah. I think it's still and it and you can look at it in terms of doing a little tax loss harvesting right now. And you're there, so there are ways to do it a little smarter. Maybe you own some actively managed funds that haven't been doing very well. Now is as good a time as any to get rid of them. That's actually what I've been doing. I've been pulling from some mutual funds, my four hundred one k, moving it into cash that I can invest. Yeah. All right. Next rule: Don't get suckered into margin with low broker rates. Yeah, I, we we're starting to see some questions come up. Like interest rates are are down. It's very cheap to 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 borrow. I can go on margin, juice my returns. I would really, uh, I I do advise that uh, for for ninety nine point nine percent of the investors out there, don't don't mess around with that margin. Um, those margin opportunities and don't get enticed by that. Obviously, uh, you are you already mentioned this, but don't cash out entirely. <laughs> and don't try it. Yes, don't don't cash out. I, I think it's it's very important. Again, especially if you just started over the last few years um, to have a plan of of investing. There's different different uh, approaches to investing lump sums versus what's called dollar cost averaging. We've talked about you guys have talked about that before. We talked about it at the Motley Fool for, for a long time and and there's some different data that one works better than the other. But I think for most investors having a plan of of investing uh, on a rhythm. Uh, so don't feel you have to either um, go all in and all out and I actually wouldn't think about cashing all out, selling now waiting for the bottom to come. Don't that's just a bad approach to take. So um, and and don't do it with everything, and I think in general, don't try to find that bottom because, as Bro was mentioning, you're just not going to. Yeah, no one's that smart. All right, we are long-term investors here at the Motley Fool, so of course, if you are going to invest, plan to hold it for a long time. Absolutely. So we think five years from these businesses that you're investing, the stocks that you buy today, they could be down twenty percent next next week, next month, next year. Uh, they could they could go up, and, and every day it's basically a coin flip whether your stock is up or down. And but but over the course of a year, it improves a little bit. Over the course of you know five years, your the ch- the chances of if you own a, a wide index, you know eighty percent of the time that that's probably positive. So, I think the further you have your time horizon set, and you invest in businesses and give them the the, the leaders of those businesses and those businesses the ability to create solutions and and um, help people's lives. And grow revenues, earnings, cash flows that the businesses can use. It's just uh, that's the approach you want to take, and you really want to focus on that now. What I am starting to to feel and see for some people is that wow, stocks are down so far. I'll buy anything or I'll buy it, and I'll wait for it just to pop up a little ten percent, twelve percent, fifteen percent. When one of those days when the market jumps back up, and I'll sell out. Um, a bad way to think and a bad way to invest. I would think it's just important to keep your real. Time horizon in mind. And for most people, that time horizon is retirement. So, first of all, think how long is it going to be until you're 65 or 70? Because that's about when people should be thinking of retiring. But even then, you're only going to need a portion of your portfolio. You're going to leave most of it invested for when there's a portion you're going to touch until you're 70, and there's a portion you're not going to touch until you're 75, and there's a portion you're not going to touch until you're 80. So, for a large portion of your portfolio, Unless you're 80 years old and listening to this, you have decades ahead of you, and what happens this year really is not all that important. Yeah. So, Andy, I don't think you're losing any sleep at night, unless, of course, it's because you are constantly talking to our members. Because I think <laughs> Which you, are. Is true. you are. <laughs> that is. That's probably the only reason you're losing sleep at night. But um, do you anticipate that at some point you're going to be like, okay, now even I'm stressed out? 
Well, I, 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 and I'm will you stressed let me know? out. When Allison, I mean, I'm stressed out, and not not so much not so much for me or for my my family, just because of the way that I think I've built that portfolio. And and I've in the past um, week and a half, I've bought probably ten stocks, and and um, so uh, for for me, not so much. Uh, but but for our members, our listeners, for for people especially who um, it's been it's been a very nice time to be an investor for the past ten years since the Great Recession and that last bear market. And there's um, been a lot of um, mostly tranquility in the market, uh, with the exception of a, of a few of, of a few um, hiccups here and there. So, for investors who always thought the markets every every year, every day, every um, month or so always go up, they just don't. They don't. And now there are times when you see these massive drawdowns, and if you're not ready for them, or you haven't experienced them, even if you have experienced them, they still hurt. So, so for those for for, for the listeners and for our members, um, really think helping them think about the best ways to set themselves up, not just um, for today and for this market, but to take advantage for the next um, decisions they make today. And this year, for the next five, ten years, is really what I'm focused on, and that, and that, and that is is kind of all encompassing for for all of us at the Molly Fool. All right. Well, before we go, you know, you could spend all day watching TV and reading the latest headlines about what the market is mm. doing and how we are all suffering uh, in this current crisis and pandemic. But if you'd like to take a break. Um, from that, we thought we would offer up some recommendations of things you can do and enjoy uh, if you need, you know, some joy in your life. Uh, I don't know. That's not a great segue. That's I'm great. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Joy in your life. Everybody needs joy. So, yeah. So, we're going to offer up some recommendations. Who wants to go first with their recommendation for this week That's not um, that does not involve freaking out over your 401k? Why don't you go first? Because I can piggyback on or yours. Oh, you're going to piggyback on mine? Okay. okay. Yeah. So, when you're when, just really enjoy washing your hands. That's my piece of advice. <laughs> Cloroxine. Just enjoy it. Boil your hands every five minutes, <laughs> and then we'll be good. No. My advice is uh, to pick up a hobby, which would be either learning guitar or ukulele or something easy like that. And so I have two app recommendations. So my recommendation, uh, which is I did with ukulele, not guitar, is to use uh, Musician, which does little tutorials that you can do. Um, it's on your phone, and it'll walk you through different tutorials for how to learn to strum and pick and all that stuff. And then also Cordify, which will take any musical YouTube video and um, basically karaoke you through what chords to play. And so it's a great way to learn um, a new instrument, and that can take up tons of time. That's awesome. Right? I, I played the piano as a kid, and I want to get back into playing the piano. Will that help me? That's a great question. I know one of these does piano. I don't yes, know if it's musician or Yes, there's definitely apps there for you. Yes. So yes. I started. I started taking piano lessons in October. Oh, so cute. I, I, we haven't mentioned it in this show yet. But now the Motley Fool is. We're all working from home now. Yeah. Not currently because we are in the studio, but we're all working. So I'm, my first thought was, I'm going to get a lot more piano practice in. <laughs> um, but let me just encourage anyone who does want to do that, hire a piano teacher for. Two reasons. First of all, it's accountability. Like I practice much more knowing that I have to confront Daphne every weekend. Um, but also, talk about people. Like you talk about whether you're anxious. I'm not anxious about my portfolio. I'm anxious for all the people who are going to see a significant drop yeah. in their income. Yeah. And I think of people who work on an hourly basis, like music teachers. Mm -hmm. And unless they say this place is closed down, I'm going to keep going because I think it's important to support the people who 
do work on this sort of mm. this basis where it just I, I personally would not be able to stand that type of anxiety, not knowing what my yeah. income would be from week to week, especially at a time like this. So um, your advice is get a get a teacher. Yes, that yep. is my advice to, if you're going to do lessons. That's not my recommendation for what you oh. should also do. Oh. So my other recommendation for what you should do is get outside. Mm. Right? It's finally nice here in the Washington, D.C. area. It's probably nice all over the country. My Florida relatives have been enjoying nice weather for a while. But I mean, there's actual evidence that shows that if you get outside, it's better for your mental and physical health. There's a website called Park Rx America because there's this rising trend of doctors actually prescribing getting out in nature. Aww. So if you need to be convinced of the health benefits, go there. The site is actually run by a doctor in D.C. You put your, your zip code and it shows you the parks in your neighborhood. It's not quite nationwide yet. But regardless, get outside, get, walk around the lake, get to do a picnic, go for a run. You're going to be a lot happier. This is actually a brilliant question, Allison, because of all of the sports withdrawal that so oh, many people right. are going to go March through. Madness we don't or get March Madness or I mean, like, that's a real. So yeah. there are real economic consequences yeah. to that. But but we will be looking for things to do because of how much. I mean, I guess we can stream a lot of Netflix and Amazon Prime movies. I guess, but we'll probably be looking for things to do. I've been reading novels again. Okay. I mean, like really? I am right now in the middle. Um, I I went through a little George Orwell. Okay. Um, phase uh, a couple weeks ago before the market craziness, and now I'm reading some James Joyce. So my, my suggest, and I'm really actually enjoying it. Um, it 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 it, uh, it pushes me to to think differently mm-hmm. and than I do every day mm-hmm. <laughs> to think actually in general. Uh, so which is a good thing. Uh, but um, these are novels that I, I never really read as a kid. So I'm uh, so I encourage people to actually read some fiction, read read some some real novels, get outside the headlines, get away from your. I read them in book format, but if you want to read them in the Kindle, fine. But but read 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 novels, and especially um, if if you can read some some very high quality novels. Yeah, and some libraries will let you check stuff out just automatically through your phone. That's right. I I do so. I just do that. I'll be like, I, I'm at the airport. I could use a book. I just go yeah. on to Libby and I find our air, our That's right. library and I just download it. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I love libraries, and I'm bummed that I won't be going to any in the next few months. So Libby, which is the the online library That's what I access, is really good. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. that from Montgomery County too. Yeah, Rick, what's your recommendation? I think I'm just going to pile on to what you guys are saying. First of all, um, I I was going to talk about guitar lessons and doing that uh, stuff online, yeah. but but I'll just I'll just add one of my favorite online YouTube guitar teachers. If you've searched YouTube guitar teachers, you've probably come across Justin Sanderco. That's JustinGuitar.com. The guy's great. He's got millions of followers. If you're especially as a beginner. I don't think you'll do better for online courses mm. than to go to his website and go ahead and pay the 99 bucks or whatever and sign up. He's, he's just really that good. Um, outdoor, I was going to say, Allison, you can commiserate. In addition to working mostly from home now, we also find ourselves in the positions of being homeschoolers. Yes. Kids. Hannah's out of school for the next month. So we, are, we are teachers as well. Yeah. And so think about all the things that you'd like your kid to be doing instead of playing video games. Do those things. Get outside. Um, I just ordered a number of yard games from Amazon so that we could have some stuff to do during recess as we, yeah. as we homeschool. So, so anything like that to get outside. And what was the last thing books. I was going to say? Oh, books. Um, just since books were mentioned, I'm just going to throw a plug out there to my friend Jen Reese, who's an author. I've known her since high school. She's awesome. She has a trilogy called Above World is the first book. Hmm. Check them out. Um, it's young adult stuff, so it's about mermaids, but it's also sci-fi text sort of thing. It's pretty cool. She's got a new book coming out called The Game of Fox and Squirrels. I don't know what it's about, but I think it's getting good reviews. Sounds cool. So, yeah, jenreese.com or just go to Amazon and search for her. Jen Reese, yeah. 
Awesome. Great, great author that you may not have known about otherwise. Yeah. Do you guys do kiwi crates or koala crates? I used to do kiwi crates. So Those were great. Yeah, we have we have um, I don't know, must have uh, seven or eight of them stacked up in the in the in the garage. So we'll be able to finally get plow through those. What are those? They're basically monthly subscription um, boxes, literally boxes mm-hmm. you get, um, and each one has a theme. So light, light, or something more more around like science and and uh, maybe physics, but or, or, or chemistry, biology, and mm-hmm. it's like so each one has a theme, and then there are like three um crafts you you basically do oh, tied to that really? theme and they're actually pretty cool yeah. like it's like you some my one time was make a vacuum and one time it was like oh, the, the whale, levers the yeah whale, the whale and it's like sucks up the yeah, yeah like, sucks up the suck the, the, the little um spongy like uh, yeah. nerf uh, or softballs kind of thing yeah. so like it, everyone has so like the kids and there's like a little book that teaches you about the about the science behind it and then a little bit of a sto- fun story like a cartoon they're pretty very they're pretty cool slick. yeah, yeah. All right, so there you go. Hopefully, listeners, that's enough to get you through the next five minutes of um, what has been some stressful time here in our nation and our world. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you making time for us. I know you're so busy. Well, um, hey, it's five years of you guys doing this. It's 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 uh, it's it's. Good. Thank you for having me, and it's a it's a real. I, I really applaud you for 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 being out here trying to help um, people understand how markets work and and how they can better um, use the market. Markets for, for their benefit and personal finance. So, so thank you for doing what you all do. Oh, all right. That's the show. It's edited contagiously by Rick Angdahl. Our email is answers at fool.com. Uh, I think we're going to have Jason Moser in the studio for our next mailbag episode if you want to send him some questions. Uh, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Please stay foolish, everyone. Don't do anything stupid. 